we're good. Okay. Okay. David Baggett. Let's do it. Welcome to the Carrie Cross Show. How are you? I mean, I'm good. And you were early today, so you've already set this amazing tone. You're early. You have good hair. We have a lot going for us this morning together. <laughs> you know, I I grew up doing theater. So if you were late, you were like in huge trouble. And you would be like publicly shamed by the director. Yeah. You have to be like, if you're on time, you're late. Yeah, exactly. And to be late is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's on my door at my school where I teach. I like that. Well, you're mm-hmm. practicing what you preach. Yeah. So Kimmy Veerhoff. Love her. The one, I mean, who doesn't? I know. I'm going to search far and wide for someone who doesn't. That might be one of my my side hustles. <laughs> I'm going to search the world to find someone who does not love Kimmy Veerhoff. Well, and she knows everyone. Everyone. She was like, when I met her, she said, oh my gosh, I know who you are. And I said, where do you live? And she said, Grandview. And I was like, how do you know? Who, how do you know? And she was like, well, I lived in Upper Arlington for like a minute when we were remodeling our house and... And I was like, you did? And she was like, yeah. Well, she brought us together. She did. And you two work, I mean, so you work for the Butterfly Guild. I do. Well, I, I'm like an independent contractor for okay. them. So every year I direct their musical. Yeah. Which is um, amazing. Yeah, which is amazing. They do phenomenal projects there um, at the Palace Theater. Uh, and then Kim is the vice president this year. So oh, next year she she'll is. be madam president. You know, she's just climbing the corporate ladder I everywhere know. you look. I know. Pretty soon she's going to be running for president. And I would vote for her. Me too. Absolutely. It's about time. What is the, um, what's the Butterfly Guild's uh, performance this year? We're doing Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. It's my first show we did in 2018 and we're bringing it back. It was just our biggest it's our biggest seller, and every cent we make goes to pediatric hospice and palliative care for nationwide children's. So it's like we can take into consideration many factors, but money is really <laughs> that's really why we do it, right? Yeah. So let's go back to what wh- when when did you first discover your love for theater? There had to be a moment when you were a boy where you're like, <laughs> ah. well, actually, it was like a ah <laughs> moment because um, it was. Uh, Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music. And my parents brought home the two VHS copy, you know, it was like a pack. And it was like this plastic and you'd like pop it open and then you'd pop them out of the case, which, you know, like most people don't remember that. Um, But we, uh, we loved musicals in my house. My mom was an actress in high school and college and my dad loved theater. So... I think it just kind of became something that was a part of my life without me even realizing it. And so, yeah, my mom put on The Sound of Music thinking, uh, you know, I think it was like three. And she was like, this will entertain him for like 20 minutes. I can like get the dishes done and like start dinner or whatever it was. And it was like an hour and a half later, end of the first tape. And I was like sitting enthralled, like I hadn't moved, just like mouth open. That was your your first entrance. Yeah. And then I told my mom when I was four, which she thought was kind of weird. Not weird, but she was like, oh, I have like a very interesting kid here. Um, I said something like, I want to I want to be I want to be like them. And, you know, I now watched Mary Poppins and The Wizard of Oz and all the other big kid friendly musicals. And she said, oh, you want to be Bert and Mary Poppins? Or you want to be Mary Poppins? And I was like, no, I want to be them. And she was like, oh, you want to be them? Because I had figured out that Mary Poppins was also played by the same woman who played Maria in The Sound of Music. So I figured out that those were people who were actors. So I figured it out then. She was like, okay, 
So she put me in classes and we started seeing live theater and Columbus Children's Theater. And then we got the Broadway series when I was a little kid. And um, yeah, I just never looked back. I know, really. I I never looked back. I've never, ever thought um, every time I think that, oh, like theater is so draining sometimes. I'm like, yeah, but. I'd rather be drained doing theater than I would be sitting in a cubicle, like selling my soul to, you know, some insurance company or some like healthcare system or, you know, who knows what. You'd be dead inside. Oh my God, I would be so dead. Or I'd just get fired because I would like keep singing and like talking. You know what I think the misconception is about anything? I don't care how much you love something or how how much you're on your, your path that you should be on. There's always times where you're over it there's always times where you're tired there's always times where you're like fuck so it's not like you know you pick something and you love it and therefore everything's always you're always going to have those moments but man you get to do the thing you were called to do oh my gosh absolutely the you know the i mean i think you know people who say oh i'm so lucky you know actors who are on broadway right and they say you know i'm so lucky i get to do what i really love but like any job, they also will tell you, it's also tiring. And you do the same thing every day, and it can be kind of monotonous, right? But you do love it, right? And when you don't love it anymore, you put in your two weeks notice or your four weeks notice and you leave that contract. Um, and you realize that you might be like taking a gamble and that you're not going to work for a while, but you might need to do something else. You might need to go, you know, teach private lessons, or you might decide to go get back to college and, you know, take some courses or something. But you always kind of find that the, the true theater lovers, like always end up going back to theater in some form. Guess what I have? I have in my head now. I can't get it out. I am 16 going on 17. I need someone to take care of me. <laughs> and you know, you know, when I was thinking about that, uh, I read, I had this great, like, it's like a curmudgeon's guide to the sound of music. And it talks about how, like, uh, you know, it's like, for example, celibacy isn't for everyone. Just ask Liesl. <laughs> she's like dancing and showing her panties in a gazebo. Right. And she's pr- she's pretending to be so coy, but really she just totally wants to like jump oh, his bones. Oh, yeah. And he's so handsome. Uh-huh. Why wouldn't you want? And she was so gorgeous. I mean, I think every little girl and every gay boy growing up watching The Sound of Music wanted to be Liesl. Like, I wanted her hair. I wanted that beautiful pink chiffon dress. I wanted a boy like Rolf to be chasing after me. Now, he's a Nazi in the end, so let's be honest here. He's a dick. Um, And, you know, it's different. In the movie, he's the villain, um, and he blows the whistle. But in the musical, he's just about the stage production. He's just about ready to shoot the captain. (laughs) And then Liesl steps in in front of the gun. And he, like, takes a second, and he, like, drops the gun, and he, like, yells off, there's nobody here. And he goes off, and he lets them – he's the one who really sets them free. So I kind of wish they had done that in the movie because Rolf was a very conflicted human being. As as we all are. Yeah. I mean, he just chose to be a Nazi, which, let's be honest, we don't have any use for those. No, we do not. We do not. Speaking of being bullied. Yeah. So you clearly had a path when you were super young. Yeah. And you were into theater, mm-hmm. and that's not the quote-unquote norm. 
for little boys at oh, the time, no. right? So did you did you go through like a bullying situation? Did people accept that? Or were you just kind of like, look, this is what I'm doing and I don't... How did all that go? How did all that so, go down? I mean, I grew up in Upper Arlington, which I think now is, a, is such a more progressive community than it was. I mean, it's still very waspy and it's still very white, but... The ideals. There's more color, though. There is more color. I will give Arlington yeah. some cred. I'm yeah. seeing a lot more and color. And you see pride flags and I hanging. Like it. And you, you know, I'm liking it. UA pride and, and mm-hmm. everything. I love that. Rainbow UA. Um, but, I mean, when I was growing, just going to school there, I mean, it was like as conservative as you could probably find. I think everybody kind of, I, I wasn't bullied terribly. Um, because I think, honestly, I think my class always knew that I was like an odd duck. What does that mean though? Why are you an odd duck? Just well, because you're- that I was so, I was just flamboyant and I everything went back to theater. And I genuinely think my teachers really loved me. And I think that even though I like probably wasn't a great student, except one teacher, my fifth grade teacher, who if she's listening to this podcast, she was not a very nice teacher and she was mean to me. So if you can figure out who you were, He'll take an apology letter. And I hope you sleep well at night. Via courier mail. Yes. I've tried to find her on Facebook, but I can't. Well, she had an acronym for her first name. So I'm like, I don't know if she goes by something We all have this one teacher Mm -hmm. that we remember where it's Mm -hmm. just not, it's not a great memory. And I'm a teacher now. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I do not want that to be the case that the one kid like 30 years from now is like, that teacher who taught me theater was such a dick. Yeah. Right. I think she was just sad and bitter. And right. Like, and had taught too long. Anyways, back to this whole thing. So in elementary school, I was, you know, I started doing theater at Columbus Children's Theater and I found my niche there and I have found my little family. So, you know, no one was ever going to make fun of you at the children's theater. I mean, they might because you're like, you know, show up and, you know, you have a stain on the front of your shirt because you had an ice cream Sunday on the way to rehearsal and they might laugh at you, but they're not going to make fun of you because you're gay. Right. Um, and so it wasn't until high school that I really think I started to realize that um, it was a bigger place. There were a lot more kids and I started to be made fun of there, not for theater, but for being gay. And I just developed this really tough skin. And I would like tell these kids, like, I mean, literally in the middle of class, I would like turn, you know, the Jones kids, right? Because I was a Hastings kid and the Jones kids who I didn't really know were mixing now. And they were like, who's this kid? We don't know who he is. We don't know that he's like this, like, you know, what, you know, like theater freak. Right. And I would just like mouth off to them. I'd be like, um, like one kid was like, oh, you know, I heard you're a a really bad term. I heard you're a blank sucker now. And I was like, oh, really? And I heard your mom's white trash. And he's like, what? And I'm like, it was the best thing I could come up with when I was 14. But he was like, oh. And then you could see he like, kind of like sunk into his chair. Mm-hmm. And then other guys around were like, yeah, you know what? Let's just not fuck with him. Like, He's, you know, but it got me in trouble a lot. And I don't think that, you know, the school district knew what to do because, you know, I'd be bullied and I'd be called a faggot and I would, you know, would go to the office cause I would fight back, not physically, but with my words and I would act out because of it. And I don't think they, I just don't think they knew. And it wasn't, it's not nothing their fault. It was 2001, right? Will and Grace had just come. That was like the, the thing, right? Um, and then Matthew Shepard, of course, you know, with, um, Laramie, right? So we were just starting to really talk about like 
LGBT individuals and their, you know, feelings, but also playing up on their stereotypes. And so it just kind of became a, you know, a place of survival. Um, but honestly, I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't go to another school. I loved I, Upper Arlington. Yeah. Yeah. Did had you officially come out as gay, or or is it just so uh, like you just <laughs> like was there a, well. was there a moment where you're like, hey, everyone, I'm gay? Because I know people can call you that, and you can have all of the like at, let's say stereotypical right. traits or whatever. But had oh, you, we've all met the person that we're like, they're gay. He's married <laughs> to a woman, right? No, I did. I I came out. I think to some some of my friends towards the end of freshman year. But then I really officially kind of came out sophomore year. And then I came out to my mom junior year. My brother also is gay and my older brother. And so my brother had gone through UA and kind of paved the way, right? And he kind of took a lot of like the, you know, the pain away from even kids today that are, you know, identifying the LGBTQIA plus spectrum, mm -hmm. right? So without kind of my brother coming out in 1999 or 98 in UA, um, I don't know if we, I don't know if I would have been able to, and I don't know if a lot of other students would be able to. What was your mom? Was your mom super supportive? Like, okay. Yeah. This is, she was an actress. She was probably very creative and just, yeah. how did she handle And yeah. how did your dad handle it? How, how was that kind of? <laughs> so um, it was actually very interesting. My father... I never really came out to. I just went to college and got a boyfriend. And by the time I graduated from college, I think he knew. Um, one of my older brothers, uh, who's not gay, said, are you going to tell dad that you're gay? And I was like, no. And he was like, well, he kind of asked me about it. And he was like, does David like not want to tell me? And I was like, well, I don't really feel it's any of his business. Like, I live in New York City. I kind of do my own thing. And, like, you know, if I get married, I'll talk to him about it then. But, you know, my, like, it's my privacy. He really took it hard when my brother came out. And that was really tough. And, I mean, it was, you know, as, you know, masculine and, like, it was just this toxic masculinity. And, you know, he's from Egypt and this Middle Eastern culture. And you're not gay. You can be gay in Egypt or in Saudi Arabia. You just better not let anybody know. You better not ever show it because they're going to, you know, take you down. Well, no wonder you didn't want to tell them then. Yeah. And so he and so I think that was just, you know, from uh, just a, an amount of growing up and seeing the comments or the, you know. But in the end, it's funny, my dad, sometime my senior year of high school, you know, he a left the Republican Party which was really interesting because he was a staunch Republican. Um, and he... During whose presidency? Bush. Interesting. He hated Bush. And he hated Americans' reaction to 9-11 and the, like, glorification of the terrorist almost. And that, you know, we, we like, used the word terrorist all the time again. And that it was, it was always associated with this Muslim, mm -hmm. you know, people wearing hijabs and... Um, going to mosques, et cetera. And so I think he kind of got tired of that bullshit. And then he um, started like donating money to the ACLU. And I mean, he died a few years ago. He had an ACLU bumper sticker on his car. And I was like, Jesus, I would have never thought when I was 15 years old that my dad would have become this, not even just like a Democrat, like 
like so liberal that it was just such a different man. My mom has always been like, you know, accepting of men who are gay and women who are lesbian and whoever else, what, whatever. Um, and she, you know, of course, grew up in a time even doing theater in the 60s and 70s. She was like, well, nobody ever still came out. It was just like, we always just kind of had a feeling that little Steve over there, you know, who was like the handsome young man in the show, why he never, you know, noticed when I was batting my eyes at him. And I was like, yeah, because he didn't he didn't care about your eyes. Right. Right. Um, but, you know, it's interesting that my mom really had, you know, such this great, you know, compassion for the LGBT community um, and especially for my brother and I and was a champion for us. But I mean, up until this last presidency, she was always voting Republican and never really understood it, that we were like, you can't. You know, like you can't say you love your kids and you want everything for the world for them and then vote for a party that there are strong members of that party. I'm not saying every Republican in the world is against gay marriage. That's not the case. But you can't claim that you love your kid and then vote for a party that wants to take away their rights. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but I also think that there's some psychological thing about that. I don't know if that's something to do with my brother has whole theories about like the baby boomer generation and that they're actually like an incredibly selfish generation, which is weird because my grandparents were, you know, 1920 born. They were really like the, you know, the, the great generation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, Politically, things have just changed so much. Oh, politically, things are just a they're they've, they're run, a shit they've run amok. Yeah, they're a shit. They've storm. run amok. How That's many a... days are we now without a speaker of the house? I don't even. know. I don't I mean, actually I, even care. I, 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 I just, should care. You know more than I do because I didn't even realize. I'm just. I'm. I literally <laughs> like watched as little as I can. I just can't. It just brings me in. I know that's not the right way to handle it, it's but sometimes d- I'm just like, well, it's a dumpster fire. It over is. There. Yeah. It's crazy. And I and you know I want to go back and say this. With all due respect, I love my mother. She's a wonderful person, right? Um, But I also think something that's interesting about growing up is realizing that your parents aren't perfect. And I've always, not that I ever thought my parents were perfect, but I never, they were my parents and they put food on the table and they, you know, helped me go to college and, you know, helped me when I was poor in New York City and made sure that I, you know, had a flight home for Christmas And all of those things are great for being a parent, but you can also still acknowledge flaws, right? And you can also not agree with choices that your parents make, just as they would not agree with choices that I made, Mm -hmm. especially as a kid. I made a lot, sure, I made a lot of questionable choices and got in a lot of trouble. Oh, well, (laughs) there's no judgment coming from me, believe me. So are you, you have a, you said a fiance? I do. Okay, so you have a man in your life. I do, we're getting married in June. Oh, that's exciting. And actually he grew up three blocks from me and I never knew him because he went to Catholic school. He went to St. Andrew and then St. Charles. But his grandmother taught me um, Shakespeare in the school's. Her name is Dusky Reader. She's the legend. She's like the legend of all that legends. Name is, oh my God. That name is legendary. Yeah. Uh, and then she passed away 2019. Went to the funeral. Matt Connor. The rest is history. And the rest is history. I know. It's like very kismet. Connor actually just asked me that. He said, when did you know we were like going to get married? And I said, well, I don't know. It always just felt like kismet. Meant to be. Yeah. Now, do you guys want kids? 
Have you talked through like the the reproductive gymnastics and how are you going to make this all happen? Um, I think, uh, honestly, just to have a kid is to have a kid, yeah. right? Um, and, uh, you know, I think probably our first route would probably be to look at adoption. Yeah. Um, there's just, you know, mm-hmm. right? Especially with, you know, everything going on with women's rights and we have a lot of women in certain states that aren't able to... Yeah take care of their bodies the way that they feel they should. And so if they're going to be forced to have a child that yeah. they can't bring into this world and mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll take it. I think right? that's a great option. Um, but I think if we, you know, wanted to explore surrogacy, I think we would have to probably sit down and really like figure out, you know, are we mixing everything in a Petri dish and figuring out which one it is? I had a friend, <laughs> I have friends who just did that. They were like, I think that's a fair way to do it. Yeah. They said, we won't know until the baby's born who the actual father is. And who was. it looks exactly like. Well, it's funny because it looks like kind of both of them too. Stop. Yeah. So so I just had a surrogate. I had a baby via surrogate. Yeah, literally uh, two months ago. Oh, shoot. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I've gone through the whole process. If you ever ever need uh, assistance or guidance, I didn't go through an agency, so I figured out how to do it on my own and save all of that money. Oh my and gosh, everything. it's like a hundred thousand dollars. More than that. 150. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I had some friends, uh, you know, that don't live in Columbus and they had problems with it too, that they, they, they had an, an adoption. It was all set up. The mother was lovely. She just was young and she said, I just, you know, it's not that I don't want to have a kid. It's just, I'm 22 and I, don't really want to have a kid right now and but if you will raise my child and raise this child I would love for you to raise this child she got in a car accident five months pregnant lost the baby and they were like it's just so much trauma like that you know you go through a two three years of that of trying to find someone or trying to find a baby and then you do and then they lose the baby because of a car accident it's just like trauma but, oh there's a lot that yeah. you know you, you get very lucky if you don't have any mm-hmm. bumps in the road but it's always worth it in the yeah. end yeah. you know yeah. i could tell you'd be a good dad <laughs> i'm sure connor would be to have a no connor yet, would be a way better dad he's really? like way yeah my niece is like obsessed with him like she doesn't even notice i'm there when he's there yeah kids are like drawn well connor's like first of all he looks like a ken doll mm. he's got like blonde hair and, you know, well, blonde-ish. It's like blondish, reddish, brownish, depending on the light. But, you know, he's got these, like, all-American boy looks. And I think my niece is, you know, half Armenian and a quarter Egyptian. She's like, who's this lovely white boy who's coming to my home? And she's like, two. <laughs> I love yeah. that. That's but so he's good. just great with kids. I, I'm, like, ornery with them. Like, I teach my, like, best friend's daughter to say like the most ridiculous things nothing that's like super inappropriate but i have had to go back and be like hey vivian remember when i told you about blah 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 well gunkle only says that like with you and you only can say that with gunkle because she went to school and she was telling she was telling people (laughs) she was telling people that her brother is a lesbian that's amazing which i was like where did she pick that up and i was like oh because i i told her that I was like, you can choose to do softball or you could choose to like be a ballerina. And then we were talking when her mom and I were talking about how we were like, oh, and like if you play softball, maybe you would be a lesbian. Like we were joking. We were laughing. It's nothing personal to the lesbians out there that also play softball. I love you all. But <laughs> she took that to school and she was like, my brother is lesbian. They too. take everything so literal. Oh my God. I have a four year old. He's almost five. And he I mean, he everything is literal. Oh, my gosh. And that's the problem. Like, I do not have a great filter. 
Good. So, I mean, I, like I, would, I do it around my kids at school because, like, I don't want to lose my job. But Well, speaking yeah. of no filter, you have made sort of a mark for yourself with these viral videos that you started doing during COVID out of boredom, right? Or was it before COVID? Yeah. So during COVID, Connor and I were like, you know, locked up in my apartment and, you know, here. And we, I think the first week, I think everybody would agree. We all thought it was real fun, right? We were like, we don't go to work. What? Like, this is awesome. We can start drinking at three. It's great. Um, and then we were like, no, you know what? One night we just started making these like lip sync videos and we did our first one to Devil Wears Prada you know, the scene where she's like, where are the belts? Why is no one ready? Um, and Connor always kind of played the secondary character in the scene. And we did all of those. We did like a pretty woman one, you know, um, big mistake, big, huge, um, a designing woman one and all those kind of things. And then, you know, those kind of died down after like our 10th or 11th one. And we only posted those on to Facebook. And then... I started reading the Upper Arlington discussion forum on Facebook. And, you know, we would get a kick out of some of the the posts. Like this one woman, you know, posted, like, I have a great idea. Tomorrow is bring your Bible to school day. And how wonderful would it be if all of the Christians brought their Bibles to school and shared them with their fellow students and taught them about Jesus and about God. And we could all talk about religion and it would be an incredible way to bring, you know, Christianity back into the schools. And people were like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, I think that post had like 600 comments. It was insane. And, you know, there wasn't one person who was in support of that, right? Like, because again, I think, even the people that are like, I'm Christian would be like, no, honey, no. What what in your right mind made you think that was acceptable? Um, no filter, right? Just like, I'm going to sit down and type on a social media platform exactly what I feel. So I was in Myrtle Beach because everybody had to go places, you know, where like you couldn't, you know, be around a lot of people. So which also side note, Myrtle Beach did not believe COVID was ever true. So. Um, we kind of locked ourselves up in this little condo and, and I was reading this, I was drinking a glass of rosé and up pops this post about this woman who was furious. This was 2020. She was furious that she did not have a, she was not going to have a 4th of July celebration at Upper Arlington because her father was one of the founding members of the Upper Arlington or grandfather of the Upper Arlington Civic Association. And since 19 such and such time, I don't even remember, the 30s or whatever, they have always celebrated the 4th of July in Upper Arlington. And then she goes on to say that how come we're not allowed to have a parade for the 4th of July, but no one is stopping the Black Lives Matter parades (laughs) that are happening all over the country. And at that moment I thought, oh my God, This woman is so disconnected from reality that, or she actually doesn't care, which I think it actually is the latter. Like, I don't think it's about disconnection because you can then like, you know, rethink something and say, oh yeah, I understand. Like, I just didn't know that or I was ignorant in my thought. I just actually don't think she would care to know that it wasn't a parade 
that these were protests in reaction to a black man who was murdered by police, you know, and that the, that the country was like hurting, like the country was hurting in a very specific part of our country and, and a demographic was, was, was wounded beyond belief. Right. And so I just decided to sit down with my glass of wine and had a, my iPhone set up on a leaning up against the bottle of rosé and I just read it and I videotaped it and I posted it in the forum and I just thought it would get some laughs, put it on YouTube. And, and, you know, I said, bringing you part one of the Upper Arlington discussion forum, dramatic reading series. And then like my phone started beeping and it was like friends texting me and then more friends. And then, you know, two hours later, it's like, hey, a friend from Bexley's like, hey, your video was posted on the Bexley discussion forum. And then it was like the Worthington discussion forum has your video posted and so and so and so and so. And overnight, I had like 15,000 views on this YouTube video. And I was like, what the fuck? And then um, I think by the end, I think I have like 23,000 views on this video now. But that started something. Um and then from there, I just continued to make them. Anytime anybody said anything, it was like asinine or just ridiculous, um, you know, so entitled and so privileged. Um, it just became like this thing. And then I started being recognized when I would like go to like, you know, swim and racket. Right. Um, I was babysitting for our friend's kids that summer because I was bored to tears. Um and so I would take her kids to the pool and like people would come up to me and be like, you're, you're David, right? You, your videos are hilarious. And I'd be like, oh, thank you so much. I actually just went to go see Jones Fall Production musical, Susical Jr. And two people came up to me. They were like, we love your videos. And one woman was like, your videos kept me alive during COVID. I was a doc, I'm a doctor. And like, I would come home and I would be so sad. And then I would just watch your videos. And I was like, oh, thank you. And so I think there was like a lot of joy that was brought to them. But now I also feel like people don't really post that kind of stuff as much anymore. Well, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, you you probably became this great sort of, you know, mental <laughs> check, like checkpoint for people where it's like, oh, God, like. Well, the trolls went back inside their cave. Right. Well, actually, I think what happened is they started their own Facebook group and it was called Golden UA. Oh, great. And that one was where. There were certain people that left the UA discussion forum and they went to this golden UA. Um, if you're listening, we know about you and your Facebook groups. Um, we're infiltrating. Yeah. Well, no. no and that's also safe. the other thing. Like the, the big voices in the discussion forum that are usually the ones who call people out for sounding like assholes or entitled bitches, right? Like... The, they create. They were able to sneak into the group and get screenshots of things that they were posting in the Golden UA. And let's just say the Golden UA group is what I remember Upper Arlington to be when I was growing up, right? They were the parents that would have gone to the school board and said, this article, which happened, my brother had an article written about him in the Arlingtonian when he was a senior, and it was called Growing Up Gay in America. And it was this expose that was talking about LGBT youth in America and and um, it was very very pro you know LGBT um, and oh my god the parents went crazy they went to the school board they tried to get it pulled news channel 4 like wanted to do a story 
the human rights campaign for their Columbus branch, their dinner. They had my, they invited my brother as like a key guest and he got to be with RuPaul. It was crazy. But my brother also was so heartbroken because it was like, they were some of his friend's parents who went and said it needed to be pulled because it's not appropriate. And the school board was like, sorry, we cannot pull the Arlingtonian. That's it's like, the Arlingtonian. Yeah. And also it's like a, that's like censorship. We right. cannot, we can't do that. Like we'll have a lawsuit on our hands. Right. Um, and it'll go to the Supreme court or something. And it's like, they didn't want that. So they'd rather just leave it the way that it was. So that was the kind of thing that like that golden UA, I think was more like, you know, the, the ultra conservatives that want UA to stay very white and very Republican. Whoever you are out there, we need to we people keep screenshotting from mm-hmm. the inside mm-hmm. because though that's the that's the gold that's mm-hmm. the nugget right there we need. Yeah, I mean they have it going on right now with that woman who's running for, you know, school board. You you don't know this probably, but no, there's a woman I running for know. school board who, you know, is, um, I'm not going to say her name so that way I'm not saying anything that you know might be considered slanderous mm-hmm. or libel. But she's running for school board, but also had a social media presence that she scrubbed clean, except there are screenshots. And one of them is a, is a picture of like a rainbow flag outside of a church. And she says, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they, they sin and I they heard. need to be saved. And I said, that woman has no business being on a school board. You cannot be on a school board in 2023 and be not pro LGBTQIA+. You cannot Yep. You cannot because it's no longer an issue with like Republican Democrat. It's a it's a federal law that gay people can get married. And if you don't like that, shut your mouth like you don't belong in any form of education unless you want to run for a private Christian school and you want to sit on their board. They can create any rule they want to and they can teach anything they want to. I don't believe we should give them our tax dollars, but like not in a public school and it has no place. Agreed. Yeah. I had heard about this too. Yeah. And I didn't, mm-hmm. I, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to your um, event with mm-hmm. this. Like, nope, no, you know, she's probably a lovely person. I don't, but, I actually heard she's not very lovely. Oh, okay. But. Once I, well, I'm just trying to be nice. No, no. And I don't normally, <laughs> she's actually a, not nice, <laughs> not lovely. But anyway, I'm like, I'm not, I can't, um, when I heard that, I was like, I just, I can't get down with that. So mm-hmm. I'm going to move on and you can have your, like, you know how they do the, like the little parties where they bring them in uh-huh. and they talk to and you, you and talk stuff. And I was invited to one of those mm-hmm. and I had heard that that, I'm like, no, that's not how we, I, that's a whole nother conversation, but the whole like Christianity and praying for, pray for yourself. Like it's just, it's all so hypocritical. Oh my God. To me. This was in the discussion forum today. I took screenshots oh, of it, it because it's so good. So this woman, hot off the press oh, discussion hot, forum. This is hot. hot. <laughs> so this woman posts. So this woman posts um, something today, and it's a picture, and it's a yard sign, and in the yard sign it says, "God says: colon, I've set before you life and death. Choose life." Deuteronomy thirty, and she says, "Thank you to the courageous UA resident who displays their sign." I looked in the Bible and read Deuteronomy thirty. Thank you for this message. I don't believe I have ever read Deuteronomy 30. Very encouraging in so many ways. Smiley face emoji. And so people are like, okay. So one woman writes, 
Um, I'm so glad that my doctors chose life the day they relieved me of a pregnancy that would have killed me. And the woman responds, I am happy you are alive. God knew you before you were born. God loves you. Except she uses her name. And then underneath it, she said, she loves all women for making their own health care decisions and the doctors that provide this care. And then the woman says, God loves you and God loves your doctor. <laughs> and then the next one, somebody said, absolutely, choose the life of the person that's actually alive as opposed to a cluster of cells. And then the person writes, God loves you. <laughs> and then it's weird having a random person tell you that a fictional being loves me. And then she's like, nothing random about it. And then he writes back, well, wonderful. Thor loves you. <laughs> I mean, that's and just keep saying, you know, God loves you, Sharon. God loves you, Lisa. God loves you, Kurt. God loves you. And ever that's that's their response. It's and, just, mm -hmm. and, you know, we say like the UA discussion forum is not really a place for like, you know, political posts. That's supposed to be on the UA political discussion forum. There's a separate one. Um, and then, um, you know, this this woman's posting about, you know, obviously she is very pro-life, which is fine. She has every right to be mm -hmm. pro-life. Um, but I don't believe she has a right to tell my friend what she can do to her body. No, I, so, I mean, you're preaching the choir on that one. Yeah. I'm, but like this is what we deal with. Like, you know, mm -hmm. every so once in a blue moon. The last post I did on the forum, I made it. It was a satire. I posted a picture of. It's actually a picture Connor sent me that was, that's my fiance, that was um, a truck parked on the wrong side of the street that was dropping off a refrigerator. It was like a big moving truck. And I was like, the audacity of this truck to think that they could park on the wrong side of the street. I had to drive around that truck. This is absolutely ridiculous. I could have hit another car or even worse, a squirrel. And I was joking, obviously, and people were living for That's it really and laughing, funny. you know, and everybody was like, oh, my God, I would have gotten their license plate and I would have made sure that they lose their job. Joking, playing along with yeah. me. But then some people were like, you should be ashamed of yourself. That man was just doing his job and he was just trying to deliver a refrigerator, it looks like. And what did you expect him to do? Have to park on the other side of the like novels were written. And I was like, oh, my God, people People either don't know who I am. <laughs> They're not getting it. They're not or, getting it. Or they just don't read satire. Like, uh, you know. And, and either way, I'm not going to be friends with that person. Yeah. No, also, I'm not apologizing. Like, <laughs> no, sorry, not right? sorry. Yeah, but also, like, that's, I love that you're comedy. I love comedy. that you're stirring shit. It's well, so like, good. I mean, like, you know, like, I mean, no comedian is, like, right? Like, no comedian becomes funny because they, like, the, they play it safe, right? Mm -hmm. Like no one does. They always have to cross a line in some capacity, right? Whatever that may be. Pushing, they push the envelope. That's yeah. how they become successful. Sometimes they push it too far. But yeah. But I like what this is rooted in. I'm I'm totally here for what it's rooted in. Because it really is rooted in, are you kidding me? Like yeah. there's like let's look at the world and the state of the world mm -hmm. and like your you can't even see past your little bubble it's like perspective mm -hmm. and like kind of you know poking fun and making that funny but then also like putting it right i feel like you're putting it right up to people yeah like it's a i think it's a cool thing you're doing it's a message yeah i mean i think that that was always from the beginning this you know um 
wake up and smell the coffee people like people you know especially in 2020 we had like people were dying of a virus and you couldn't give up the fact that you were going to have a graduation party for your kid oh i'm so fucking sorry for your child who doesn't get to have a graduation party right in your cushy home in your beautiful neighborhood with your big swimming pool in your backyard god forbid you can't have a graduation party you know what i didn't have a graduation party when i was in high school because my mom was broke right because she was getting ready to send me to college right like that's real right like and so it's just about i think exposing privilege i think about checking yourself um and we all are guilty of it at some point in our mm -hmm. lives right we all put thing have to take a step back and put something in perspective and say shit i sound like such a, an asshole right now mm -hmm. right like oh i'm trust yeah. me i'm guilty you know where you know where it really shi like shines like a like a big shiny star <laughs> for me as soon as the, the electricity goes out oh my god like, my worst self mm -hmm. shows up and I'm like, you are a horrible, mm -hmm. entitled, privileged human being. Mm -hmm. Look at yourself. Mm -hmm. you, you can't handle this. You yeah. can't handle no electricity. Think about what's going on all over the world. Mm -hmm. You ho. Like I literally <laughs> like I will like I do not like myself when the electricity goes out. Well, so Connor and I went to the Dominican Republic a couple years ago in the summer, two summers ago. And. We stayed on the resort the entire time, except for one day we decided to go because there's a lot of seaweed at that resort because, you know, it's like that sargasm stuff or whatever it smells like. It's gross. It's gross. But we heard that on the other side of the island, it was clean. The beaches were like spotless. So we decided to go to Soana Island, as the guy kept telling us every day. You got to go to Soana Island. So I was like, OK, so let's go. So we got in this like charter bus and we drove and we drove outside of Punta Cana and I was like, I've never seen poverty like this. Like you see poverty, you know, in small towns in Ohio, right? Where you're like, wow, this town was forgotten, right? Mm -hmm. And they closed the mill or the steel mill or the paper factory or whatever, and it's forgotten, right? And the buildings are crumbling. But no, like there's literally like a person with like a goat in their front yard and like a metal shack roof with no walls. And he's like got a fire outside. And he has a moped. And you think to yourself, oh, shit, I am so fortunate. Mm -hmm. And I feel terrible that I didn't give that bartender at the resort like 30 more dollars yesterday because I have that money. And they, you know, like here we are in their country, which they need us to be in because we, you know, push their, you know, tourism and their dollar you know rises and everything but it was so sad it put put things into perspective but yeah i mean when when we you know when i don't when my car has to go into the shop right it's like i have to have somebody come and pick me up and then i have to have them take me back and i'm like i should be so lucky that i have the money to pay to get new tires on my car right because there are people out there in this world who would just drive those tires bald and they're never going to get them replaced or they would have no car or at all. they will have no car yeah. You know, I yeah. so so I love I love what your message is rooted in. I'm and I I'm so here for it and I hope you keep doing it. Yeah. And just keep pushing it. Yeah. Absolutely. Push that envelope. Oh my god, I love have it. Have you explored other forums? Well, are we are we kind of exploring <laughs> other things? People have asked me to come to their Worthington Forum, the Clintonville, 
Um, and I don't do it. And because I grew up in Upper Arlington, so it's very personal for me, right? Um, and if I went somewhere like Worthington or Clintonville or Bexley, like I don't, un I, I'm sure there are the same people there, right? But that's not where I grew up. That doesn't, I feel very connected mm -hmm. to the city of Arlington. Um, and despite its flaws, it is a wonderful, wonderful place, right? Like it is, a, there is a reason why people want to move there, right? Um, and it is just like, it's my home. Yeah. And so I think for me, it's what I know. No, I feel you on that because you kind of feel like an imposter if you're in another, like you're like kind of on somebody else's territory. Plus, yeah. there's, you know, let's be honest, it, UA will give you enough juice, <laughs> enough juice. Unfortunately, you'll be able to continue doing that for a really long time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Do you have any more like in your head? Like, well, anymore? I just got one a couple days ago. I just it was somebody who was trying to make a positive post for a certain school council member running who we talked about earlier. Um, and I thought, well, maybe it's time to like expose the, you know, truth. But um, I don't know. I'm telling you, they're not, they're not great. Like people don't really post great stuff anymore. And I really do think it's because they're afraid that they're going to be made into a video. I've had a, I've only had one person ever reach out. I used, I made a video, or, or yeah, a video of theirs. They were going to Skyline Chili and they were so upset that it took forever for them to get their food and they left. I saw that. Yeah. Wait, they reached out to you? And she wrote me and it was really sad actually. And she was like, I suppose I shouldn't have posted that. I was having a really bad day and maybe I shouldn't go onto like public forums to like rant and rave about, you know, what's going on at the Skyline Chili. But I, you know, wasn't surely expecting to have a video made about me. And I was like, and I just wrote back and I was like, honestly, it's all in good fun. Just laugh it off and just, you know, that's it. Some people want their videos made. They're like, I think some people like go on there to like bitch and moan because they want me to just, just to give me a reason to come back because I haven't made a video in like a year. It's been a long time. You need some good content. Yeah. And so I feel like people, well, and people were like, I think I posted like in the summer, I was like something in the forum. I just said like, I'm bored. Can people please talk on here? And somebody was like, don't worry, it'll get heated with the with the school board always. But it hasn't. And I really do, you know, think mm -hmm. that it's because people are like, they don't want to, they don't want to be exposed. Yeah. I never ever say the person's name and I never uh, show the actual post. So, and that's just to protect because a lot of times the post gets deleted or they go back and delete it or you know, they're embarrassed or whatever, but um, I'm not interested in like embarrassing a specific person. No, right? it's amazing. Yeah. Keep it, keep it coming. <laughs> I will. Back to the Susical. Yeah. So did you love it? Uh, I, that Jones? Yeah. So my neighbor, Cecilia Rextus was in it. She was the, uh, she had the blue dress on, super cute. Oh, she was she, Gertrude. Yes. yes. Yeah. It was so adorable. My, like one of my best friends directed it. Um, okay. Dana who moved back here a couple of years ago and she was a uh, actress in New York and her husband I grew up with doing, well, I didn't grow up with her husband. I grew up with her, her husband's siblings. Um, and they're just lovely people. And so I wanted to go to support Dana and see the show. They're so cute. There was like a hundred kids on the stage. It was like, and I just thought to myself, like, I don't know how I would do that. And I've done 
you know, big, I used to direct the musicals at the high school, but we would at the most have 50. And we never really had them all on stage at the same time. There would only be like a couple of times. But this woman who was sitting next to us at the show, she turns to us and she goes, so why are you guys here? <laughs> and we were like, oh, we actually know the director. And um, she's a really good friend of mine. And the producer, Sarah, is a good friend of mine. And she goes, I seriously don't know how they do it. I would be an alcoholic. And I was like, me too, probably. <laughs> right? Like, But the kids just are so endearing. And they just really love it. And one thing I love about that was that like Sarah, who produces it, um, who's a music teacher there at Jones, she says that she really tries to accommodate the kids that are also, you know, playing football and, and cheerleading and running cross country and all the things that they still can be in fall production. Mm -hmm. Because that is, she doesn't want to turn anyone away, that this is the time for, to be inclusive. And in many ways, it's the only time that kind of all walks of life get together and like make something happen together. It's kind of, it's very magical. It is magical. Yeah. When I was a senior in high school, we did Wizard of Oz. Mm. Guess what I was? The Wicked Witch. I, you know what? I was the Good Witch. <gasps> you were Glinda. So I tried out for the Wicked and they made me do Glinda because I, I guess I fit it like physically more. I don't know. But I, then they had to sing like, come out, come out. I'm like, I oh, don't yeah. sing. Well, you did in that. And I did. The Wizard of Oz was my first show I was ever in. So here, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to name a show and you're going to sing the first thing okay. that you can think of. Okay. okay? But oh, I, got, I like this game. Yeah. It's going to be good. Okay. Okay. So the sound of music. I have confidence in sunshine. I have confidence in rain. Heathers. Do we have a problem? Have you got a bone to pick? You've come so far. Why now are you pulling on my dick? It's like, honey, what you waiting for? Step into my candy store. This could honestly be my favorite thing I've ever done on this show. <laughs> this is amazing. West Side Story. Ooh. When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way from your first cigarette. I actually played Bernardo. This is how times have changed. I played Bernardo in high school, not at UA, at a different production. And I wore makeup. Like, I wore, like, brown face. Stop. Yeah. 2004 like oh, and no one batted a lash like we made ourselves look Puerto Rican and I remember you know it was like well he could play Puerto Rican because my dad's from Egypt yeah. you know obviously that's the same you know it always makes me think of like um in like uh my big fat Greek wedding when they're like is Armenian near Greece <laughs> no she was from Venezuela right like that's the amazing. secretary hairspray oh you can't stop the motion of the ocean or the rain from above. Yeah. Les Miserables. Oh. On my own, pretending he's beside me. Cinderella. Ooh. Ten minutes ago I met you and we murmured our how do you do. Grease. Ooh. Um, Freddie, no, ooh, um, well, no, Freddie, my love, I miss you more than words can say, but that's not in the movie. So maybe like, summer days drifting away, do, uh, oh, the summer nights. That's so good. Okay, yeah. Bye Bye Birdie. Bye Bye Birdie. Do you like Bye Bye Birdie? I don't know. I don't know if I've ever oh seen it. Oh my God, it. it's so corny. It's so cute. Okay, last but not least. Okay. Beauty and the Beast. Taylor's old as time. But I actually really like, look, there she goes. That girl is so peculiar. Days done distract. I like a big group number. I spent a year on the road. I was in the national tour, Jesus Christ Superstar, for a year when I was 
out of college. Um, and I traveled all across the whole United States from Alaska all the way down to Florida with Ted Neely. He played Jesus and he was Jesus in the movie in 1972, 73. And he was 60 years old when he played Jesus for us. So that was kind of cool. Um, and, you know, just because, like, it was a big deal. Um, but I think my favorite role I've ever played, um, I just did The Legend of George McBride, which is a play, actually. I did it a couple years ago at Red Herring Theater. And I played this character, Rexy, who was a drag queen, who was, like, busted as fuck. I got to be on, like, roller skates. I was always, like, the character was always drunk was always like spouting out like nasty obscenities to people. But then in the end of the show had this like beautiful, gorgeous monologue about why drag is a protest and why drag is like a raised fist. It's like one of the lines in it is like drag is a protest. Drag is a raised fist inside a sequin glove. Ooh. Yeah. And it's like so, you know, drag is a lot of things, but drag is not for sissies. And I just like loved that character. You fall in love with your characters you play for different reasons. And certain ones are really, really hard to say goodbye to. Sometimes it's because you connect with them. And sometimes it's because the audience loves them so much. And you could just play that part all day. I played Tenardier, the innkeeper in Les Mis in high school at Upper Arlington my junior year. And I still have people talk about it because it was just the audience. It's like the best role in the show. They laugh, 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 laugh. Um, but yeah, so directing, I mean, I have my favorite shows. I love The Sound of Music. Obviously, I directed that last year for Butterfly Guild. Um, and I just directed Ragtime for Columbus Children's Theater, which was really just magical. You know, it's like I've been to so many theatrical productions in my life, both on stage in the audience I've directed, and I've never seen the entire audience give a standing ovation at the end of act one before intermission every night it happened. Um, and just to see my cast that had worked so hard, just like get that recognition was so beautiful. Makes it all worth it. Right? Oh yeah. Going yeah. back to the beginning of our conversation about, you know, burnout or maybe not liking something. It's some, right. it's those moments where mm -hmm. you're like this, there's nothing better. It's the good stuff. Absolutely. You know, and it's not about the recognition from the audience that, you know, but they are a part of your, they're, they're a scene partner with you. Right. And without them, you, you, what's the point? Why are we storytellers? Right. If we, if nobody wants to listen to our stories, Right. If we're an author and rewrite a book and no one buys our book, then we have a problem here. Right. Agree. You know, like, we may want to tell a different a new yeah, story. Yeah. I think that that's really important to, yeah. to just examine in general. Agreed. You know? Yeah. Well, you're just a lovely. I, no <laughs> wonder Kimmy wanted me to, to sit down with you. I mean, I'm like, I could do this forever. I mean, you can have me back whenever you want. I would actually love yeah. to have you back if you'll yeah. if you'll come back. Maybe I'll make Connor come with me. He would be. But he'll dominate. That's okay. He's the, like, we always say, like, I'm the Mary and you're the Rhoda. And um, he really is the Mary. Well, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. I, I so much appreciate it. We laughed. We didn't cry. No. Which is, you know, abnormal. Usually pe people cry on this show. Oh, wow. You know, you just it just depends. No. But this has just been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And if you're still following your girl out there, please follow me on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, keep moving. Oh, my God. I loved that. Wasn't it? Just a joyous. That was so fun. Thank <laughs> you.